You know, since the time of Christ, many of the faithful have had their their faith, their belief clouded. You know, we all die. And since Adam and Eve, death has always been inescapable for mankind, but not with Jesus. At this point, Mary was an unsure witness, but soon Mary's faithfulness to seek Jesus early would be rewarded. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Let's go ahead and look at John 20 today. I know we've had a busy morning. I promise that I will be quick about this. And we'll get through just a portion of John chapter 20. We'll pick up the remainder of John 20 next week, looking at verses 19 through 31. Today we're looking, though, at verses 1 through 18. I titled it The Empty Tomb. And I was thinking about this, and it's been interesting that we are closing out the Gospel of John right before Christmas. And we're talking about something that we normally talk about on Easter, right before Christmas. So I was thinking about this, and we know that we just got through the summer, and in the middle of summer and the end of July, there is this Christmas of July theme that continues to run, uh, not only in the United States, but throughout the world. And, you know, in our minds, we think this is another way for businesses to get some more money out of us and to Celebrate. There is a Christmas in July Gideon Bible story that Lifgren from uh, the band Kansas came to faith in Jesus Christ in a hotel room in Indiana. The Lord working on his heart in a hotel room, found the Gideon Bible, surrendered his life to Christ that night, came out the next day, and the hotel was celebrating Christmas in July. It was all about Christ's theme in there. He thought it was very appropriate. But uh, actually, it was developed 85 years ago at a camp in North Carolina, a girls' camp, where the first Christmas in July included carolers, a Christmas tree, Santa Claus, presents, fake snow made of cotton. And the tradition continued to keep going and evolved from that, where campers got to the point to where they would use laundry bags to hang on their uh, cabin doors at night hoping that they'd be filled with candy in the morning. But you might be thinking, why in the world are you talking about Christmas in July now? But I think uh, it's because we're celebrating Easter in November this year, because we are looking at the resurrection of our Lord 
And usually we do this very quickly over a one-week period or maybe two Sundays in the spring, but we get a little time, and I think this is perfect. We get a little time looking at our Lord's glorious resurrection from the Gospel of John right before we celebrate his coming as a child in the month of December, where John would proclaim concerning Jesus in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The celebration of Jesus' coming as a babe, the Lamb of God, but also the reason he came to die and to offer his life through his death, burial, and resurrection that we might in turn have life through him. So today we're going to look at the empty tomb from John 20 verses 1 through 18. And we're going to see three points. I'm trying to keep it simple. Mary and the empty tomb, Peter and John and the empty tomb, and returning to the empty tomb. Let's go ahead and just look at verses 1 and 2, and we'll get into our first point. Verses 1 and 2, Mary and the empty tomb. It says, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Father, I just pray that you would now bless the teaching of your word. Familiar passage to so many of us. I pray, Father, that you would just take what is familiar and instill it in our heart once again, strengthen it, but also, Lord, perhaps there are some new things that you would like to teach us from this familiar area of Scripture. I pray, Lord, give us open hearts to receive that which you would have us learn this day about your great love toward us. In Jesus' name, amen. So a very familiar story as we celebrate Easter in the spring every year. It's because of the Passover feast and the Jewish calendar that we do this, but celebrating our Lord's glorious resurrection and it starts with Mary making her way to the empty tomb early in the morning. She did not know that the tomb was empty. She thought that the body of Jesus remained there, and she had come with other women, as we know, and combined the four Gospels together, that she didn't start out alone, but apparently she ran ahead and ended up at the tomb to discover that it was empty on that first day of the week after Jesus had risen from the grave. Mark tells us about the other ladies in Mark 16, 1 through 4, saying, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, brought spices that they might come to anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door? But when they had looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Now we learned from John's Gospel last week as it closed out in chapter 19 that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had buried the body of Jesus and they had taken a hundred pounds of spices and myrrh and aloe and they had wrapped Jesus' body. 
And I can just picture the ladies who were there, and John tells us that there were ladies there watching this take place. As they were watching Joseph and Nicodemus, they were in a hurry. They were trying to get it done before the sun uh, set. But I could just picture the women watching John and Nicodemus do this, and the women thinking, oh, no, 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 this just will not do. And so they went about preparing to properly anoint the body of Jesus for burial. And then after the Sabbath was over, on the first day of the week, on a Sunday morning, they arrived at the tomb. As we know from John's Gospel, Mary Magdalene arrived first. And I love it that Mary sought the Lord early in the morning. Before the sun had risen, John tells us, so she went out uh, when it was dark, making her way to the tomb. Psalm 63.1 tells us, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now, I, I get it. There are some people who are, are night owls. And if they were to write Psalm 61, they would say, O God, you are my God. Late I will seek you. My soul longs for you but not in the morning. <laughs> Some people are just night owls and they do better studying the word of God late at night. That doesn't work for me. Late at night <laughs> and before I even make it to bed quite often, I'm already napping in my chair. But in the morning, it works well for me. And it's worked so well that even when I want to sleep in, I can't sleep in. I wake up anyways, and I go about my morning routine of a cup of coffee and looking into the Word of God. But this also causes me to think about a couple of other things. Early will I seek you. I believe that it's good for an individual to seek the Lord early in their life, while they're young, before we get too much baggage that we just acquire in this life. We're going to get the baggage. It's going to come. How much better to have a foundation of faith and the word of God in our lives while we're young, what we're doing for our children and our youth and the children's and youth ministry, these things can become very valuable tools for them as we go about teaching them. But it's not just teaching them. They need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe it's best to do that early. Uh, we're going to go through the trials in this life, but they who discover Jesus early, they also discover as it tells us in 1 John 2, 1, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, that we have an advocate. But second, I believe by beginning the day with Jesus, that it gives us clarity to face the challenges of each day. Every day, we're going to walk into some kind of challenge. Monday morning, I came over to the church 6 a.m. to get the radio station going, and uh, I had in my mind, set the program for the day. I was going to come in and do radio. I was going to do some work outside because it was one of the last warm days apparently we're going to have all this year. And so I came in through the basement of the church. I brought in material that I was going to warm up while I was doing the radio show that would uh, help with my work I needed to do outside later. And as soon as I stepped down in the basement, I stepped into water. Now, if you're part of Calvary Chapel Lakeville, you know that that's not unusual around here. 
but I stepped into a lot of water. In fact, I calculated how much water I possibly stepped into. Uh, it took us nearly eight hours to pump all the water out of the basement. The sub pumps not only failed, but the backup sub pump, its only job is to pump out the water when the main pump fails. It shorted out the circuit breaker, and so I'm assuming it ran its battery dead and we had nothing. And so I calculated every room wet, at least an inch to two inches of water in the deep spots. So 4,000 square feet, an inch of water average works out to 2,720 gallons of water that was in our basement floor. So I came in Monday morning thinking, this is what I'm going to do. I stepped into some water and it's like, the Lord say, no, this is what you're going to do. You're going to spend the rest of your day and then the next day and the next day after that uh, putting this place back together. But by starting each day with Jesus, it gives us clarity. We're going to have challenges. Some days the days will go just as planned and other days they won't go as planned. But to start our days with Jesus gives us clarity to face the challenges of the day. And apparently Mary, as I said, had ran ahead and she discovered that the stone had already been rolled away. Matthew tells us what had happened. Matthew 28, 2, that there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. But Mary became an uncertain witness as she went back to Peter and John. Remember, John never identifies himself in the Gospel of John. He either calls himself an eyewitness the disciple whom Jesus loved, or the other disciple. And as Mary immediately ran to tell Peter and John that the body of Jesus was missing from the tomb, she was an uncertain witness because she assumed that the enemies of Christ had taken his body away. She said they had taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they had laid him. It's interesting to me, and we learn in Matthew 27, 62 through 64. I'll just quickly summarize it for you. As Jesus was hanging on the cross and they were preparing to bury the body of Jesus, the enemies of Christ came to Pilate and said, let's make the tomb secure because while he was living, he said, after three days, I will rise again. And so the enemies thought, his disciples are going to come and steal away his body, claim that he had resurrected from the grave. Then they said, so the last deception will be worse than the first. It's interesting that the enemies of Christ remembered that Jesus said, after three days, I'll rise again. But the believers and followers of Christ, it seems that they forgot. They forgot what Jesus had told them. And he specifically told his disciples three times that he was going to Jerusalem, that he would suffer and die there, but then that he would rise again from the grave. You know, since the time of Christ, many of the faithful have had their, their faith, their belief clouded. You know, we all die. And since Adam and Eve, death has always been inescapable for mankind but not with Jesus. At this point, Mary was an unsure witness, but soon Mary's faithfulness to seek Jesus early would be rewarded. So hearing the news, Peter and John, they ran to the empty tomb. I like to call this a race to the tomb. Verses three through five, 
Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. Both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looked in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet did not go in. Jesus, as I said, had testified of his death and resurrection. The Pharisees, the scribes, the chief priests, they heard the testimony. They didn't believe it, but they tried to make the tomb secure in case someone would come to steal away the body. The followers of Jesus Christ, they also had heard the testimony, but they didn't put two and two together. Jesus had told them of his coming death, burial, and resurrection. Yet, his sacrifice upon the cross, it was so difficult for them to comprehend. They had seen his horrific death, and it clouded their faith so that they could not believe. John may have been revealing his youth by outrunning Peter. There's a number of you, if you'd want to have a foot race with me, you could probably write the same thing. John would come in later, and you might make it there to the tomb first. But John tells us he didn't immediately go in. He merely stooped down, he looked in, and he saw the empty grave clothes there. And then Peter came running along, verses 6 and 7. And Peter saw and wondered. As Simon Peter came following him, he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief which had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Well, Peter, the boldness of Peter, we know that often he would go places where he possibly shouldn't have gone, like stepping out of a boat in a stormy sea. And he lost faith in the process of doing that. Or here, storming into an empty tomb. It's not unusual for Peter to do something like this but as he came in and as Peter arrived with his heart racing and his breath labored, he ran right into the tomb. And Peter also seeing the empty grave clothes there, but he noticed the cloth that was covering his face, Jesus' head. It was folded separately in a place by itself. Remember, a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes and uh, spices mixed together you would have to think that that would be kind of a, a sticky mess for someone to try to remove the body of Jesus, but there was uniqueness in this. And the cloths were not just uh, cut away or unraveled, but they were folded neatly and separately. Uh, the cloths for the body separate from the napkin that covers the Lord's face. I'm not sure if this is a significant clue, but it does call into question the legitimacy of the Shroud of Turin. As you know, around Easter, we'll hear stories about that uh, shroud that has the blood of someone who'd been crucified, uh, stained upon it, and it's one piece. And it kind of goes against what we read in Scripture. I won't go any further than that. I can't tell you if it's legitimate or not. But what the word does tell us in Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so they came seeking. And at this point, they had not yet found. But John then came in after Peter boldly came in. 
John came in and the word tells us that he saw and he believed, verses 8 through 10. Then the other disciple who came in first also went in and saw and believed. For as yet, they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now John comes into the tomb and again he saw. This time scripture tells us he believed. But what did he believe? That John could not have believed that Jesus had risen from the grave because it goes on to say in verse 9, as of yet they did not know the scripture that he had risen again from the dead. Perhaps John's report that he heard from Mary is what he believed, that they had taken away the body of the Lord and we do not know where they have laid him. Perhaps he just believed the report that Mary had given. Perhaps John's faith here was beginning to grow in Jesus Christ. There was belief, but not a complete knowledge. If you look at the uh, Greek language in this passage of Scripture, so far in the English, we have seen four times that Mary came and saw, verse 1, that John came and saw, verse 5, that Peter came and saw, verse 6, and then John came and saw, verse 8. Well, when Mary saw and John saw the very first time, uh, the Greek word is blepo, and it is a word that simply means to look at and to behold. When Peter came into the tomb, he saw, it's theorio is the Greek word, and it means to take in, to observe. Uh, it's kind of like the view that I have. I'm focusing on the whole room. Maybe a better description would be going to a show at a theater or at the movies, and you're, you're trying to observe and take in everything that is being displayed before you. So Peter saw, and he was as if a spectator. He was observing what he was seeing. And then John, in John 28, idu is the Greek word, or idos, and it means to know or understand. So there was uh, seen with knowledge. The Greek word implies that there was seen with knowledge in that final account. And so sometimes that's how it is when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, much like Mary and John, who looked into the tomb. Uh, blepo is the Greek word to see or to behold something. You see, you behold something, but you don't really have understanding of it. But your eyes are making connection with it. At other times, it's like Peter, who came to the tomb, uh, Theo Rio, that means that you are a spectator. You're taking everything in and you're observing what you're looking at, trying to uh, make sense of what you are seeing. And then we come to that final word, idos, that you see with understanding. And John, he saw and believed. And the Holy Spirit, though, had not yet taught him or bring to remembrance, as it tells us in John 14, 26, it's the, the work of the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance those things which Jesus had taught in Scripture. They didn't have a complete understanding of his resurrection. But I believe it's true for us today who believe in Jesus. At the beginning, our knowledge is limited. We see, but we don't quite understand what we're seeing. 
And as we continue in our faith, we continue to grow. We observe more. We learn a bit more. As we study God's word, he brings us to that place of edu, where we see with understanding. We gain the understanding. Well, for Peter and John, they left the empty tomb. They went to their uh, separate houses. But at some point, we know that Peter was alone and Jesus revealed himself to him. We combine the Gospels together in the Gospel of Luke. It tells us about the two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. They saw Jesus. They ran back to Jerusalem to report to the church that they had seen the risen Savior. But before they were able to tell their story, the church exclaimed to them, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Luke 24, 34. But the Bible is silent about that first appearance to Peter, except for that acknowledgement in Luke 24, 34. The Bible is silent for Peter's first post-resurrection encounter with Jesus. But I believe perhaps the Lord did this because in his wisdom, sometimes the Lord has to work privately in the hearts of his redeemed. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let go.